Welcome back to the Three and D podcast. I'm your host Justin Lewis. It's been a minute, uh, just with the the games that follow on Monday nights, uh, make it make it tough for me and old uh, Mister Hogan to to hop on here and do this. And then I I've got basketball games on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, and it's just kind of tough to coordinate. Where Monday's our best night, but uh, we're back. Ben, glad to be back. How you been? Yeah, man, I've been all right. Um, a little kind of a weird week this week, I guess. Grizzlies normally have a game on a Monday, it feels like. And then they also, like, this weekend, they don't have one on Saturday, which also feels strange. But it's good to be back. You feeling all right? Yeah, good. Um, you know, just completely uh, shocked at how the Grizzlies have been playing. Uh, I, I mean, I – I didn't think that the Grizzlies should have been a three-point dog against the Lakers because the Lakers haven't proven anything all year. Um, but I wasn't expecting them to punt LeBron James and to completely demoralize the man. No. I mean, it's funny seeing all the reaction and everything about that. It's like LeBron can sit there and talk trash to the Sacramento Kings and Tristan Thompson. But, you know, when Desmond Bain says something to him, you know, it's like uh, that's not allowed. Only, only the King – is allowed to talk trash on the court. Yeah, and I love that uh, Desmond Bain gave zero Fs about anything LeBron James had to say. And um, I think I think Bain could hold his own uh, in, a, in a scrap of LeBron. I, I do too. I mean, uh, in the player preview, I basically said that, uh, I mean, Desmond Bain's built like a tank. He's one of those dudes, like, he's built. You, know, <laughs> you don't really want to mess with him. I don't know if he has that crazy gene, like, you know, some players that, you know, once you, you mess with them, all, all of a sudden, like, all bets are off. But he looks like he can hold his own. Yeah, I, I think so. Real quick, before any scoring starts happening, who you got, Georgia or Bama? I got Georgia, and that's because uh, it seemed like everybody else was on Bama. I, I've got asked this a couple times at school today, um, and I, my response was, I don't care. Um I uh, I don't even have it on in the background right now. I just don't really care all that much. I do um, have it on the background, um, but uh, I mean, I'm going to bed before this is over. So yeah, we're know. not not one to stay up for. No, in fact, I actually fell asleep during the Raiders game uh, last night. Raiders oh, and, the, and the Grizzlies. I, I watched the end of the Grizzlies game uh, this morning, but you know. I fell asleep. I have to be at work at 3 a.m. So yeah. I got to make choices. Yeah. And that's a tough choice to give up when uh, your your beloved Raiders were playing for a playoff spot. Well, they were up 15 when I went to bed. I thought it was in hand. And then come to find out it was anything but. But yeah. they, they pulled out the win. So anything but. Um, so, Ben, I, I want to um, – I, I want to ask you, what was your normal routine – when you came home from high school every day? Um, I came from, came home from high school. Uh, trying to think it's so long ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like freshman, sophomore year, I guess I would just get home and then, uh, get on the computer and talk on AOL, you know, yeah. that's, that's kind of what it, what it was. And we didn't have a TV in the, uh, in the computer room so it was like choose tv or choose computer uh if i was watching tv it was probably like the cubs 
because they were always on during the day. Even though I didn't like them, I, I would cheer against them. It was sports. Or I would actually watch, uh, you know, like Saved by the Bell or something like that. So, so I, I remember. Um, so AOL Instant Messenger when I was was when I was in middle school. So, um, dating yourself a little bit there. Um, I I remember coming home freshman year of high school, and I did most days. Um, I came home and we had a, a little like a, a 16 inch TV, tiny one on the counter in the kitchen. I pulled a bar stool. I'd pop some pizza rolls in the microwave, um, give me some ranch dressing. And, uh, at four 30, I was watching Dragon Ball Z on a daily basis. Um, if there wasn't a new episode coming on, I was probably upstairs, uh, on the computer, either illegally downloaded music on LimeWire or um, <laughs> playing internet poker. Um, <laughs> so, and I remember, early, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and I remember very vividly, like there was like some cut by Trillville was a song that I played like over and over again, <laughs> or, or lovers and, lovers and friends by Usher, little John and ludicrous. Um, that was all freshman year type stuff. And, uh, but Dragon Ball Z, um if you don't know ben which i put you on blast on twitter today that you didn't I know, know. I, saw, I saw that uh people were responding <laughs> and now you mentioned it yeah i think say by the bell was more uh grade school but i guess high school it was uh i watched the simpsons okay. that would come on. but uh yeah i just wasn't into dragon ball z it just wasn't my thing and then by junior senior year everybody like we'd go out after after school like we'd meet up like at the wendy's down the street or you know whatever it wasn't necessarily, we didn't want to go home. <laughs> well, the difference between you and I in high school was that you had friends, apparently. Um, <laughs> so I came home alone every day. And uh, if we weren't playing neighborhood football, which we would do that a lot too, yeah. um, hop on our bikes and ride to whoever's house had the biggest yard and go play football. And um, I was a wimp, so I avoided the days they wanted to play tackle. And um, <laughs> so Dragon Ball Z, you know, an anime show uh japanese that uh just has to do with the saiyan race you know uh goku was uh living on earth and his son gohan and all that stuff but the reason that i, that I wanted to get to dragon ball z was because in the sail saga uh, which is probably one of the best sagas if not the best saga that they had um goku takes his son into something called the the hyperbolic chamber the the hyperbolic time chamber where they would go in and it would be on earth. It'd be just 24 hours. It'd be a day long. But while you were in there, it was as if you went through a year's worth of time. And the point of that was that they would physically train their bodies um, at, you know, higher gravity um, and just the physical strain of training for a year, but they can do it all in one day. And, you know, they're on this time crunch. They had to get, you know, stronger level up all this stuff to fight this villain that they had. And, I want to reference the hyperbolic time chamber because it feels like that's what Zaire Williams did instead of actually being injured. It's it's almost like he went into this hyperbolic time chamber that just grew him a year's worth almost offensively because he looks like a completely different player than the guy that we saw being terrible before his injury. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I was wondering, like, what you were talking about, why Dragon Ball Z <laughs> was coming up. Like, 
all this stuff and you know shout out to everybody that put me on blast i appreciate that um yeah it, it's crazy it, he looks like a totally different player you know he the thing the one thing that he still has is that confidence like he had the confidence in the shot before he was injured and that was a little bit of a problem and his defense was not good at all either and he's come back a totally different player like he just has seems like he has more confidence and it doesn't seem like he's out of his element he seems like he belongs on the floor and also it's interesting because when he was out you know they were mixing and matching lineups and like john contra was getting a start and i kind of felt that contra would be put back in the starting lineup when dylan was out because like that's what it, just what it was and then zaire he got the start again so it feels like the grizzlies feel like he's ready and the future's now and they're not really it's strange to me on the fact that it feels like they always sort of started slow with players and trying to like build them up into what they are now but with Zaire it's like let's go yeah it's it seems just weird because it's still very much the front office is like screw your timelines like we're on our own timeline here and if, if you really were, like, trying to lock down a one seed or lock down a top four seed, you're probably not playing Zaire all that much. Um, but they're still very keen on on developing and getting him in and, and doing all that. And they're they're winning while they're doing it. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I would have thrown Conchar back into the starting lineup because of what he can do. But as you see with Zaire, not only is his shot um, falling right now, but, like, his length matters defensively and he's still out of position. He's still very weak. Um, probably still our worst defender on the team, but his length bails him out and saves him at times. And I think that's ultimately the guy they want to be the long-term three. So why not, you know, get him that chemistry in those minutes. And w- when you say the long-term three, you, you gotta, you gotta figure some other things out there too. Cause they have, Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks as well. So where do they see those guys fit in in the future? Well, I know I, what your answer is. Well, well, I think everybody is under agreement, understanding that Desmond Bain is the guy you want at the two long term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, him and Ja the backcourt pre- present more of a problem than Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum ever did, I think. Um, because McCollum's really a, a, a shooter. Like he's not a three level scorer, and Bain's doing that. Right. Um, and Morant, if he continues to improve in his three point shot, he's never going to be the the Damian Lillard knockdown jumper guy that's shooting from the logo on a consistent basis. Like I don't think that's coming, but I think he can shoot it at a high clip if he picks his spots, and that seems to be what he's doing. Um, so then you're you look. We have seen two games now of Jaron at the five, and I, I was talking to Sean Coleman about it uh, earlier. Like, if, if Jaron keeps doing this at the five in the starting lineup, like, let's let's move Steven Adams now. Like, let's let's get rid of him before February and just, like, unleash Jaron at the five and then, you know, use the money that you were spending on Steven Adams to maybe bring Kyle back as the starting four. Or it's time to, you know, roll out Brandon Clark. But when it comes to the three, I don't think that the long-term answer at starter is Dylan Brooks. I'm not saying that he's not going to be on the roster long-term. I'm just thinking as a starter, I don't think Dylan's the answer. Um, I do think that Zaire is, and and maybe 
you know, Dylan comes in and closes defensively while Zaire can run the stretch four with his length. But I, I you know, you know where I stand on that. Bain sticking around, Jaron sticking around, Josh sticking right. around. And outside of those three, I think, you know, anybody for the right price could go. Right. And I think it's going to be interesting for the next three to five weeks, which is the timetable where Dylan's out to see what and how much they use Zaire. Because as you mentioned, he's, he's being used in spots. Like he's starting, but he's not necessarily getting the same amount of minutes as the other starters are getting. They're kind of using him as kind of a, kind of a, uh, a starting point, I guess. It's kind of a uh, blast off point is where they can take him out and then they can reshuffle the lineup with other guys because, so many guys on the Grizzlies team can play multiple positions. Like a baseball reference. It's like using an opener. Like they, yeah. they bring a, a bullpen guy in to get them settled, um, you know, get them through an inning. Uh, and then they bring in somebody that pitches three or four innings after that. Um, Zaire is kind of their opener. Um, but then if you notice when it gets to garbage time, which it has the last two games, Zaire is in there for garbage time while the rest of the starters aren't. Right. So I, I think – the three to five weeks, um, you know, Parker kind of mentioned it as a feature idea um, in GBB. It, it's a good time to really see what, you know, if Zaire can step up to it, what he can do. Um, again, that presents the opportunities for guys like Conchar and DeAnthony Melton to continue to do what they do. Um, I, I do want to um, put people's uh, worries and concerns at ease here. Um, everybody that I've seen that, um, can't see through the smoke of whatever they're smoking on Dylan Brooks Island um, are all worried that the defense is just going to fall off um, because he's, he's not there and they want to point to the defense got better when he came back. And um, I, I just want to lay it out there. Like the defense was bad in the beginning because they were force feeding Zaire Williams minutes and he was horrendous defensively. And then anytime you add a new starting center to your defense, it's going to take some time to adjust. And so all that comes into play. And sure, Dylan Brooks comes back. The defense got a little bit better. But I, I want you to, to hear this list of names, okay? Xavier Tillman, DeAnthony Melton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kyle Anderson, Killian Tilly, Stephen Adams, John Contrar, John Contrar Brandon Clark, Jarrett Culver, John Morant, Desmond Bain. Can you tell me what those 11 players all have in common? Besides being Grizzlies? Besides being Grizzlies, of course. I, I, I don't know. They all have better defensive ratings than Dylan Brooks. Oh, wow. 11 guys have better defensive ratings than Dylan Brooks. Jarrett okay. Culver? Jarrett Culver. Now, here's another list for you. Brandon Clark, John Conchar, Tyus Jones, Stephen Adams, Desmond Bain, John Morant, Xavier Tillman, Kyle Anderson, Jarrett Culver, Jaron Jackson Jr., all have better offensive ratings than Dylan Brooks. I kind of figured that's where that was going with the uh, with the, the theme of this little segment we're going right now. Um, that's not Hold good. On. I am not done. <laughs> okay. All those same players, every one of them, have a better win share per 48 than Dylan Brooks. Okay. Then we have... Uh, let's see. Josh, Steven Adams, Jared Culver, 
Jaron Jackson, Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark, Killian Tilly, Kyle Anderson, John Contra, D'Anthony Melding, Xavier Tillman, all have positive defensive box plus minuses, while Dylan Brooks does not. Um, I, I just – so Dylan Brooks is top three in some categories on the team, okay? Here, here's what they are. Usage percentage, um, fouls per game, shot attempts per game, and free throw attempts. That's a good one. We'll take that. Steals yeah. per game. We'll we'll take that. That's good. Um, but then when he's his two point percentage, the only player on the team that shoots worse from two is Killian Tilly. The only player on the team that shoots worse than him from two is Killian Tilly. And then from three. We got some guys struggling. He's ninth on the team in three point shooting right now because Jaron has had some rough moments and and yeah. Milton's had some rough moments. Um, Zaire's had really rough moments, but his is coming back. He shoots thirty two percent. I just think it. I think that itself has to do with he hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. He hadn't been able to play a lot of games in a row. Now I knew that that statement was coming, and I'm fine with that. I'll live with it. But let me counter you with this. Last year, what spot on the floor was his highest shooting percentage spot from three? I was at the corner. The no. corner. Now no, it was the corner. Okay. It was the corner. The percentage of his threes this year from the corner is 17%, which is next to last. But he's shooting 39% from the corner. I knew Bain was the, the sharp shooter from the corner last year. I wasn't sure if Brooks was uh as 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 well brooks was very um, good from the corner on catch and shoot threes um the leader this year is john contra i can see that um i mean i don't, I don't know what to say i mean the, the only reason i got is what i what i just said um that's not good and you know i, I talked with you after i did my preview for the game preview for the detroit pistons game and the thing that stood out to me the most was Dylan and Jod only played seven games together prior to that Detroit game, like entire games together. I did not count the Atlanta game, which was a loss. And they were two and five. The Grizzlies were two and five when John Dylan played together. I could be re I could realistically say it'd be two and six because I don't, the Grizzlies weren't winning that game. Even if John didn't get injured against Atlanta, they were not playing well against Atlanta. Atlanta was starting their run and then they just continued to just roll as soon as Ja went out, maybe they would have come back. But, I mean, you could say they were two and six. So, I guess technically they are three and five in games in which Dylan and Ja play together. If you take that with the rest of the season, I mean, I don't know. They're For me, it's just like they have to learn to play together. And I don't know if that's just a – they need to get more time on the court together, which is not going to happen right now or what it is, but, but, you know, it wasn't even against like the Lakers or excuse me, the Lakers aren't good this year. It wasn't against the Warriors and the Bulls and stuff like that. I mean, it was OKC, that OKC game, which they lost. That was one of them. You know, there, there are other games in which they should have won that they didn't. I mean, I know that was the game where Ja came back still I'm just saying that it was, it was totally winnable games. Yeah. It, I, I'm with you. Uh, it's it's crazy though because 
Um, according to Clint in the Glass, the best lineup of five players that they have is a starting lineup with Dylan Brooks in it. Um, and so it, it's just kind of weird that all his individual numbers just aren't very good at all. Um, but he still seems like if you go to basketballreference.com and you look at a combination of two-man lineups, like every two-man lineup with Dylan Brooks is a positive. Um, and so there's, you know, there's the, the statistical arguments for those that are pro Dylan Brooks. Um, but I just don't, I, I, I just stand on the fact that he's a ball stopper on offense. The, the flow is disrupted. Um, and I, I just don't think that long-term he's uh, a fit for what they want to do. Not at least not as a starter. Um, there's an argument to be made. Uh, I think, you know, Joe Molnax may be making this argument soon that he is, um, you know, it's time to unleash him on, on bench units and, and let him feast on bench, bench units. And then I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm just like, sure, whatever. Um, because it's, it's I, I don't think, I don't see the front office moving him, uh, even though he has the second most tradable contract on, on the team. Um, and I think it's going to take a trade like a Jeremy Grant or somebody like that to, to move him. But I'm not even convinced that they would do it in, in that kind of deal either. So, um, again, I, the whole point of that was to say, like, we were 6-0 and while he was on protocols. I'm, I'm not all that worried about him being out. LeBron right. would have did what he did last night on Dylan Brooks because he's the only person in the Lakers that can freaking score the ball. So, like, he was going to get his no matter what. So, I, I just wouldn't – I wouldn't panic because he's going to be out for a long period of time. I think they're going to be fine. One, one last um, thing on that is – I know Taylor Jenkins doesn't care, but you got to look at, you know, if the Grizzlies would have lost the games in which Zaire started, I mean, I know Taylor wasn't necessarily at those games, but still I think that they would, there would be questions. And then also if Dylan's moved to the bench unit, they're, they're going to run into the same issue that they did when James Johnson was on the bench for the Grizzlies and Gary Darby had to answer questions on every post game show. Why isn't James Johnson starting? When the Grizzlies lose, it was, well, if they only had started James Johnson, they would have won. That's the problem you're going to probably run into if Dylan Brooks is eventually moved to the bench. Again, I know Taylor Jenkins doesn't care, but that's going to be the reaction. That's going to be the immediate reaction. I already know that's what's going to happen if that is what eventually does happen by moving Dylan to the bench. I, I just don't – I think we're too far into his time in, in Memphis to move him to the bench because I don't, I don't think he would handle that. Um, talking with somebody today, it was um, – he, he obviously needs a, to have a different mindset. Um, he should not be uh, second in usage and second in shot attempts on this team. And I, I don't care how much of a Dylan Brooks lover you are, you can agree with that, that at least Desmond Bain should be second in shots on this team. Yes. Um, and, and if not Jaron third – um, you know, it, in my opinion, it should be Jaron third in attempts on this team. Not even upset if Desmond's first in some games, just because if he's if he's feeling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. Like, and I and I said when we're on road games the rest of the season, Desmond can jack thirty of them a game. I don't care because right. um, he's just that talented. But that it's just time to to move past for him. Like mentally, he's got to adjust um, his role in this offense and um, somebody made the point like, well, we haven't had enough opportunity for him this year to, to get out there and, and get that mindset of adjusting. 
because he's been hurt or he's been in protocols. Like he's not just had a good chance. His, like you said, the rhythm's been disrupted. And I think we're going to get robbed of an opportunity to, to see that before the trade deadline. Um, but, you know, maybe we see something like, uh, you know, an expiring contract over the summer that gets traded for a draft pick or, you know, combined with draft picks or something. I, you know, I don't know, but I just, I think the team is better off, um, like, and this this is the part, like, I, I can't express enough. Basketball X's and O's wise, I think the team's better off without him. I do understand the cry for the energy and, and the moxie that he brings, but I, I, I think we're at the point now where the team follows Ja and not Dylan. Like, Ja has come into his own, and I, I think we – the need for some energy guy – is going to go more to the wayside as Desmond Bain finds himself and the more that Jaw continues to be what he is. Because, like, the way that Bain responded to um, LeBron James, like, he, I, I text Alex Kennedy today and I said, hey, man, your boy Desmond Bain just endeared himself to the entire city. Yeah, I, I agree with you up to a point. I just think, like, their whole mentality and everything I think is built off of what Dylan brings to the locker room and brings on the sideline. And I mean, we've seen it, you know, in those post games with John Dylan, you know, the, the ones that you see them together. I mean, it just kind of feels like, I mean, this whole team feels like it's a family. It's a bunch of, a bunch of guys that are just having a good time playing basketball and it's them versus the world and they got each other's backs and they're, they're happy when everybody else does something. And I think, Dylan brings a lot to that, to the locker room when it comes to that. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Um, I, I want to bring – I'm going to put you on the spot, and then I'll, I'll put myself on the spot too. Okay. All right. The Grizzlies will go how far in the playoffs? So, currently, they are – they would face the Mavericks in the first round, which I think they would win. Um, and then that would put them currently against the Warriors first round, which I don't like that, but things could change and the Grizzlies could be, I I think that if the Grizzlies stay in the four or five range and they're facing somebody like Dallas, then they can get out of that round. And then if it's somebody like the Suns or the Jazz, if the Grizzlies are on the side of the bracket with the Suns or the Jazz, I like their chance to go, to the Western Conference Finals, if they're on the side with the Warriors, I'm not. I'm not so sure. But we'll we'll know a lot more tomorrow night when they play the Warriors. Although they're going to be without Draymond Green, um, I I think a surprise like an Atlanta Hawks from last year surprise run to the finals is is the Western Conference Finals is possible mainly because John Morant is literally unstoppable. I understand what you're saying. I I'm you know. I'm not as uh, optimistic, I guess, on that. I think that the yeah first round if they're if they're getting Dallas, honestly, I think there's a, there's a big separation between the top four, and I can't believe I'm there's there's one in the standings, obviously. Like the Grizzlies hold a distinct advantage, like over the five seed right now, but I, I think it's also like legit separation between the Suns, the Jazz, the Warriors, Grizzlies, and then everybody else. So I think the Grizzlies can advance out of the first round. I just think that who they play will depend on how many games that second round goes. I think if you play the Warriors, you can go five, six games. 
I think if you go with the Suns and Jazz, it's more or less six or seven. I mean, I think you can push them to the brink and make them work for it. The Grizzlies are definitely going to be the team, again, that nobody wants to see in the playoffs just because if they catch lightning in a bottle, like, they can blow you out. Yeah. They can blow you out like the Warriors were blown out. I'm not saying that they're the Warriors that won 73 games, but they have that capability of blowing you out of the building like that Warriors team did by just clicking. Like, if they're clicking on all cylinders like we've seen them do, like, they will embarrass you. And they'll laugh while doing it. Which is what they did to the Lakers last night. They demoralized that team. Like, multiple possessions. LeBron didn't even run down the floor to play defense. Like, he he was done. Yeah. That was rather enjoyable. Um, so, coming up, we've got the Warriors at home tonight when, you, when you're listening to this. Then you got Thursday at home versus the Timberwolves. That's, a, in my opinion, a must-win. Um, you got to take care of business against the teams that you're supposed to beat. Um, real good opportunity at home Friday against the Mavericks, which is a freaking 9 o'clock tip at home. That's insane. Um, and then you got Monday at home versus the Bulls. So this road trip or this this homestand, it worries me a little bit because it seems like the Grizzlies play better on the road than they do at home. Um, at least Desmond Bain does. Um so then after you play the Bulls, you take off and you got the the Bucks, the Nuggets, and the Mavericks again. So like these this next seven game stretch from now until the 23rd of January, I think it's gonna be a real telling um thing of who exactly the Grizzlies are. Um, even though like I guess you could have said that against I mean all season long, right? Like right. they just like I told you when we hopped on, like I I didn't think the Grizzlies should have been three-point underdogs to the Lakers because the Lakers give you no reason to believe that they're a good team. Yeah, they had won four straight, but the Grizzlies were beating the breaks off teams for nine games in a row. Um, And when they did what they did last night, I I just still, like, it's almost like I have, like, that cautious optimism still. Like, I, I don't want to just fully believe, like, this is who they are all the time because they are the second youngest team in the league. But, like, time and time again, they continue to prove this is who they are. No, I, I agree with you because I'm always like, you know, Joe Molinax is always never too high, never too low type type mentality. But it's hard not to be. Like, when the grit and grind Grizzlies were doing things like this, everybody was buying into, like, okay, this is who they are. They have a chance of doing it. Like, every night you felt like you were going to win. I don't understand why we – we can't do it now with this uh, Grizz next gen group because it feels like anytime they touch the floor, they, they think they can win. And you know, why, why not? Um, in saying that, I think it's probably two and two, three and one week just because, I mean, yeah, they, they got a tough sled in front of them. And like you said, they play, seem to, they seem to play well or better on the road. Um I'd like to see them get a win against the Warriors, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, every time there's a long win streak in any sport with a team that I like, I'm always seeing the next game is the one that's going to get snapped. I, I just yeah. – that's just my – that's my mentality. It's, it has nothing to do with how well the team's rolling. It just feels like, you know, you're due for one, and you start a new one. But it feels like you're due for one. But um, 
I think the Warriors game is the one that's pretty much acceptable. You need to beat Minnesota. You need to beat Dallas. And I think that game against Chicago is a toss-up, and it's going to be fun. That's going to be – yeah, the war, the Warriors game is going to be really fun. That Chicago game is going to be really fun. Um, I, I think the two important ones are the Mavericks ones. Right now you're split with them, which you won the one on the road and lost at home. Um, you take both of those, you're putting yourself two games further away from the Mavericks, but then you've got the head-to-head against them, and all that's going to matter towards the end when you're fighting for the 4-5 seed and for your first division title. Um, you got to get the Nuggets while they're down. Um, I mean, the Nuggets are so down, they tried to bowl bowl. You saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just they're just mailing it in and getting rid of bull bull. Um, and then the Bucks, you know, they've been kind of inconsistent, but I think they've had guys in and out of the lineup. So that one's, I mean, still going to be tough. Um, but, yeah, it's – I think the Grizzlies are, like, in the middle of the pack as far as strength of schedule remaining in a season, and they just need to continue to do what they're doing. Um, I, mean, I think even 500 ball here the rest of the way out, you're probably – still the four seed yeah it, that also makes me wonder like is denver not expecting jamal murray yeah i i, I think from what i saw is that he's supposed to be coming back around february and march but like for him to get back into game shape and make a difference I, I imagine for them that might be too late at that point yeah i mean are they basically just punting this year and like hey let's see let's let jamal murray get his legs underneath them in I mean, March and April. They're and, still the sixth seed. I mean, they're not even in the play-in tournament right now. I mean, Jokic has been that good. Right. No, I, no, I, I get it. It's just, it's you know, last year I think that they had those title aspirations. I think that they felt like they could compete with any of the other teams. And then this year, you know, I don't know. It, that's just, that's, that's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, the West can go a lot of ways because, you know, is Kawhi Leonard coming back this year? I mean, Clay's back. We know that. But uh, yeah, I heard Kawhi was progressing um, to possibly returning before the season's over. But will the Clippers still be in it at that point? You may be looking at a play in tournament that has like Denver, both LA teams, and like the Trailblazers or Spurs. Like the amount of star power that's in those four. Yeah. No, that's uh, that, that, that is crazy. But yeah, I, I, I think. Every week it feels like the Grizzlies are trying to prove something. And right now the Grizzlies have the Western Conference Player of the Week. Two, two times. Running. Yep. Yeah. So, for him, he's going to try and make it three weeks in a row. I don't doubt that whatsoever. So, it's going to be up to those other teams to figure out how to stop job because no one has yet. At what point is a chip no longer on the shoulder? Um, I don't think ever. I think maybe if he gets a title, which good news for Grizzly fans, but All right, yeah, I, I think that's kind of how it is because he's in the small market. Um, he's a smaller player. We saw Allen Iverson play with a chip on his shoulder his entire career. So, I mean, maybe John Morant's a similar mentality to that. Yeah, I, I'd imagine. I think he's going to – like we've seen, he, he kind of – he looks for the fuel and finds it and uses it. Um, maybe even at the expense of somebody at GBB. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing is like his teammates gas him up. Like, you know, I mean, we saw it. And, you know, when uh, you also saw him take the leadership role, when LeBron was going after Desmond, Ja was kind of the one that st- stood up to LeBron and was like, come on, man, you know, type deal. He, he kind of separated him. 
You like to see that out of your out of your leader. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm just excited to see this stretch that we got coming up. Um, I'm excited to see guys like Conchar get more run because he he seems to always be making plays and and he's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, Brandon Clark continuing to thrive like he did his rookie year. That's been fun to see as well. Just so many storylines with this team. I think um, that's getting overshadowed too. I don't think enough people are talking about how good Brandon Clark's been. Well, how can you? You're talking about how great Desmond Bain has been, how Jaron's like lights out defensively. Morant's on the MVP arc. Like he's the fourth best story on the team. If, if that, you know, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, Zaire Williams is back. And I mean, before then, Steven Adams, before he got injured, it was just like always, there's always something that you notice every time you watch the game. It's just like some things are hidden and aren't getting talked about enough, but it's great as a Grizzly fan because the depth of this team is ridiculous. And that showed during when they were battling all the COVID health and safety protocols, which they're still dealing with, but not to the extent they were uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago. I'm with you. Well, Ben, you want to throw anything out there before we wrap it up? No, I will say, uh, bet, betting the bear wise, uh, the Grizzlies are top five in the league when it comes to uh, covering the spread. They've won their last five against the spread. Uh, best team in the league? Uh, can you guess who it is? As far as covering the spread? Yes. Best team in the league covering the spread. I'm just going to look at a list of teams here. I'm not looking at the, uh, covering spread, covering spread. I'm going to say the best team in the league covering the spread is the Timberwolves. It is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, other teams that are uh, good at covering the spread include Oklahoma City, uh, Golden State, of course, and Chicago. So the Grizzlies have three of those teams coming up. So, you know, you got three teams that are good at covering the spread and the Grizzlies. So good luck with that, but it's hard to bet against the Grizzlies right now. I know. I just put the one game I bet for them is a the game that they lose. <laughs> so I don't do it. I don't do it. Um, I am pulling back on the uh, first bucket because Steven Adams has been out. So those tip offs are not as automatic as they were when uh, Steven Adams was doing it. It was uh, turned into the Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks show for the most part, on first buckets. Steven Adams would be a spoiler every once in a while, but the quiz were getting it done. And then pretty much the props. I, I texted you this morning, like, over on the player props. I bet five of them last night. I hit four. Ja was the only one I didn't hit, and I'm not really too bad, too sad about it. It also made me wonder if, like, if I followed other NBA teams as close as I followed the Grizzlies, would I be able to make a lot of money? Yeah, on the player overs, especially with all the COVID right now, the, the guys that are getting shots, they don't normally get shots. Like, you know, the Tilly number is down at 10.5 sometimes. And that, you know, when 10.5 points, rebounds, and assists, like that's, yeah. he, he can go off and hit four threes in a game and you're, you're done with there with points. So, um, yeah, the Grizzlies are uh, cash cows right now. And, and Ben Hogan has been milking it. Yep. Uh, Zaire's at 12 and a half right now. He's been sitting at 12 and a half since he came back from injury. He's starting. I'm like, Come on. Bet yeah. it. And then Brandon Clark's been like 15 and a half. So feels like that those are uh, easy, easy bets. Of course, you know, no, no doubt. I'll throw this out now and they're all going to miss tomorrow. <laughs> tonight, I guess if you listen to that. But good luck. Bet responsibly. That's bet all. Res- I bet responsibly. Uh, I, I want to 
throw out a shout out to my to my girls. Um, we JV we had a play day at uh, Briarcrest Saturday, and at halftime we were down nine to eight. Um, ben, when I tell you that these were the worst refs of all time. They didn't – they got every single jump ball call, like who gets the possession, coming out of quarters, jump balls, every one of them wrong. Every single one. Like, had no clue what was going on in the game. Like, oh, both, come on, bo- Justin. You're sounding like Memphis Tiger basketball. Fans. Both both books and the table were telling them, <laughs> no, it's this way. And they're like, no, 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 we got it. We got it. I'm like, all right, <laughs> whatever. Anyways, we were down nine to eight at halftime. And my girls – um, won the third quarter, fourteen to nothing. Oh wow! And uh, ended up winning the second half. I think like twenty four to six, and they hit a last second three. They just when we had the scrubs in. Um, when I tell you, listen to my starting lineup: three sophomores and two freshmen. Every single one of them is five foot ten or taller. Oh man! My point guard. My shooting guard, my center, my power forward—all five on the floor. That is, uh, that is some height, right? That there. is, and I got three of them. My little freshman point guard, who's a cross country runner, hasn't missed a shot when she gets varsity minutes. Um, and then we're just, we're just the length that I had. I ran a one-three-one. We trapped the corners, and we got turnover after turnover <laughs> after turnover. So shout out to my girls, having a blast coaching them. Um, if you haven't heard yet, Carville High School is on virtual for the week, so our basketball program has been shut down for the week. We we're supposed to have a district match against uh, Bartlett Tuesday night and Houston Friday night, but those will have to be rescheduled uh, when we return back to school. So, um, yeah, that's uh, congrats on that. Yeah, thanks. I'm I am ten and two as a JV head coach this year with. Uh, one of my losses coming against a varsity program that had the number one player in the country two years ago. So well, that's uh, going to happen to yeah. uh, when you play teams like that. Yeah. So playing JV girls against varsity, they only lost by four. They held their own. So I'll, uh, I'll take that. But yeah, um, this has been, been good. And you know, next Monday, it's at least a two thirty game. So we, we should have no problem getting the podcast, you know, next Monday um, because of the MLK game. Yep. That is the right date, right? Yeah, that's next Sunday. Yeah, yeah, next yeah. Monday. That is next yep. Monday. So um we'll we should be back next week. Maybe we'll try to find a guest to bring on on with us so we don't run off on Dylan Brooks tangents again. Instant uh, reaction after the MLK game. Yeah, which is gonna be a really good game against Chicago. Um if you can get down there to the forum, do that. Be the last always game. Do a special special day too in Memphis. They all, they yeah. always do it right at FedEx Forum. They yeah, have I've been up to it. I've been to a couple of them, they've been very, very well done. Um Go to the Warriors game tonight. First three thousand get the the tech suit hoodie, the handout. They look pretty good. And then the the pants come later uh, in the month, I believe. So don't miss out on that on that cool giveaway. And you know, don't show up in your Warriors gear. Show up in your Grizz gear, uh, or you're gonna just piss John Moran off, and he's gonna send the Warriors home grind. So you know what the the best thing that could happen tonight is that the Warriors fans that show up go home disappointed, and they're walking home in the. Uh, John Morant tech suit because they don't want their Warriors gear showing. <laughs> they put the the tech suit over the Curry jersey. Yeah, because you know they're going to get there to watch Steph warm up, so they're going to be the first fans there. That's so unfair. They're going to put that thing on eBay, and I'll be the schmuck looking to buy it. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, for Ben, I'm Justin. This has been another episode of the 3 and D pod.